Hi, welcome to This Pod is Your Pod, the podcast from Pantsuit Nation. I'm here with Courtney. Hello. I'm Libby, and we're two of the co-founders of Pantsuit Nation, an online community of 3.8 million progressives who are working to resist the current administration. So this is the uh, 10th episode of This Pod is Your Pod. We made it to 10. And of course, uh, just as every week, it's been another crazy week um, out here. Trump is at the UN just saying some things that are very alarming, uh, lobbing insults at North Korea. Um, the zombie ACA repeal is back again. I know. Just, I just give it up, guys. We like our health care. Just let us keep it. We'll talk more about that later. <laughs> and uh, we also know that the last few weeks have seen Hurricane Harvey really just – destroy parts of Texas. Um, Hurricane Irma hit Florida and South Carolina and the Caribbean. And Hurricane Maria is now barreling through the Caribbean. Um, Many of the islands there that had absolutely no time to recover. Um, So we're just watching these really powerful, in a way that is hard to fathom, storms really affecting people's lives in a, in a really dramatic way. We're both in the Northeast, so this is not affecting us directly, but of course there are millions and millions of people who've been affected by these storms. And that brings us to our guest today. We are talking to Faith Brooks. Um, she is a Pantsuit Nation member and a Houston resident. She and I are Facebook friends, and so I've been watching her chronicle uh, her experience of being in Houston during and after Hurricane Harvey, and we're really lucky to get a chance to talk to Faith today. Faith, are you there? Yeah. Hey, guys. Hi, Faith. Hi. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. So first, um, I really want to know, how are you? How is your family? Um, Are you guys doing okay in the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey? So I'm doing great. Um, My family is doing well. My dad's home did get flooded. And so um, he's doing, I think, as well as expected. And so there's a lot that it takes to rebuild. But um, we're walking along that process. And um, I think it'll be good. Okay. Um, So one of the things that I noticed right away as the storm was coming is that you, you took to Facebook to sort of talk to people about what was happening. Can you tell me a little bit about your sort of decision to chronicle the process of Harvey online? Yeah. So honestly, you know, I went to my brother's house to be there with him and my mom and I. Um, He lived in a really safe space for us to be, but all of us were just cooped up in the house for days and days. And so um, as it started to happen, I realized that some people were losing power and some people weren't able to get the news or things like that, but they had their phones. And so I thought, why not go on Facebook and at least try to help some people that might not have heard the news elsewhere because we still had power and let people know what was going on throughout the city. That's such a smart use of this technology in thinking about how the power can go out and you can't turn on the television, but your cell phone is still working. So when you kind of came through the other side of the storm and were able to sort of take stock of what had happened in Houston and in your neighborhood, what was that like? It was really sobering and really hard. I mean, I think it was the first time that I felt like, wow, we've really just been through a really terrible natural disaster. Um, None of us expected Harvey to be what it was. I honestly, we've gone through hurricanes before. I thought it was going to be, 
you know, something light. We might have to stay in the house for a few days, but nothing close to being cooped up in your house, watching people on top of their homes and listening to the rescue radio, trying to help get people rescued. Um, it was definitely unexpected and sad. Um, but I, I really do think that the city rose together and there was a lot of hope in spite of all of that. Yeah, that's definitely been one of the things that has been really inspirational to see from afar is like how much people are coming together as a community to support each other when, you know, everybody seems to be in need and yet people who have something that others need really show up. Absolutely. So Faith, I'm wondering if you can um, tell us a little bit about sort of more of your work on Facebook. I know that you're also an admin for a Facebook group as, you know, Pansy Nation started as a Facebook group um, and has grown, you know, into a community that rallies, you know, support for progressive politics in this podcast. But we really remain kind of grounded in, in Facebook as a, as a way to build community and connect. And I'm wondering if, you know, both in your experience and kind of um, gathering resources around um, helping people who were impacted by Harvey, uh, but also in, in your other group, if you could tell us a little bit about sort of what you've seen in terms of the potential of for Facebook to connect people beyond just like, you know, liking a post or, you know, dropping a comment, but actually kind of taking that into real world progress. Yeah, you know, I think Facebook being at the Facebook conference with all the other groups, it really showed me that the work that we're doing online really is far-reaching, and it's bigger than I can expect. And it kind of broadened my perspective on how we can use Facebook to um, organize as a community. So in reference to that Facebook group that I help admin where we're discussing issues around race and racism, I thought, how can I use Facebook to community organize around hurricane relief? And that was the initial idea, just to get online. I started a spreadsheet of resources um, that people could use so they could have immediate access to it because there were tons of articles circulating. And um, I thought, great, put this on Google. I can put this on Facebook. People can see it, click on it, and use it. And I didn't know who would use it or who would, you know, need it, but I just thought if I try to do something tangible that can help some people, even though I can't get out of my house right now, this might be something that can forge a path forward and hopefully help a few folks get some help that are in need. So, Facebook is definitely a platform where you can connect somebody to somebody else to somebody else. And that's essentially what ended up happening. I would post something on Facebook and someone would share it with someone. And we were able to help people, help get lives saved. And um, even the Cajun Army was using the resource list I created to help people that were in need all across South Texas. So it was a really unique opportunity. It's amazing. You know, there, there is this like kind of debate and conversation happening about sort of the effectiveness of organizing online, whether it's through Facebook or through other platforms. And, you know, does that really count? And, and what's the impact? And I think it there, there's both, like we need to be aware of sort of the easy way out sometimes, which is is maybe not taking action. But then for sharing resources in particular, um, and what you're doing, Faith is such a great example of this, both in, in your group and, and then also in organizing around Harvey, that there is this tremendous tool that we have at our disposal that's there right in front of us. People are using it every day, um, whether it's for, you know, social reasons, but but if you can get that content in front of people in a way that that shares a tool or, or a way for them to take action in a way that maybe hasn't been offered to them in another space. Like, why not take advantage of that? And I think it's just such a smart way to share information um, in a powerful way that, that, like you said, I mean, it's it's literally 
saving lives and it's making an impact on on how people can really be present from far away, which is hard. And I think that's one of the things like Courtney mentioned, you know, we're not in these areas geographically that are affected directly, but being able to reach out kind of through whatever means and and take action Mm -hmm. makes it feel like we can make a difference. So one thing that I've been thinking about, Faith, is that there's you know, as we kind of mentioned at the top of the show, there's just constantly news swirling around. And so the attention can kind of move away from the a place that was affected by a hurricane a few weeks ago. What is it like in Houston now? Are, are people getting what they need? So in Houston now, I think because the news cycle, like you said, it goes so quickly, I think some people are starting to feel a little bit forgotten because there's still some areas that were really devastated, um, especially some places in West Houston. And um, last weekend, some people were just able to get back into your homes. So um, their homes sat with water in it for two weeks and some even more. So it's still really, um, there's still full neighborhoods, like full neighborhoods where you'll see the driveways piled with everyone's possessions and things. Um, and then you'll drive into other parts where, It wasn't flooded, so it seems like nothing happened, but there's places all throughout the city where it's just pure devastation. And so um, it's really hard to see that, and you know that a lot of these people um, didn't have flood insurance or anything like that, so they're starting over from scratch. And so the need is still great here, um, but there are a lot of good people trying to help. It's just a little bit difficult because this hurricane season has really been tough, and so there's a lot of people in need right now. Absolutely. Um, and what we can we can do, we've been sharing a document in our Facebook group and on our website, and I'll gather some more resources from you uh, after this conversation, and we'll add that to the um, to the document so that we can keep magnifying, um, you know, what people need on the ground. Because I think, you know, one of the things that has been really effective for me personally, listening to you and watching what you're doing on the internet, is the sort of real time update of what's needed and. What And I think that when you're, you know, maybe watching something like CNN, it's a little bit more difficult to get that sort of individualized or targeted need. And it's been so amazing to have you as a, as a direct resource for amplifying the sort of collective needs and, and stories of people in, in Houston. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been, it's been an honor and happy to serve my city. Thank you so much, Faith. And um, yes, we will get those resources out for our members, for our listeners to see and, and also kind of expanding, you know, as we know, Maria is currently, you know, pummeling Puerto Rico and, and um, there's there's a lot to consider. So thank you for all that you're doing and, and for joining us today. It's really great to hear from you. Thanks so much. So thanks so much to Faith Brooks for joining us and talking to us about what is still going on in Houston and and the needs that they have there. Um, And there is also a a larger issue at play here, um, which is climate change, that there's been three major hurricanes happening in the span of a couple of weeks. And that is something that um, is relatively unprecedented. Right. So what we're, you know, we're thinking about here with this current administration is the sort of unprecedented defunding of the EPA, of sort of just ignoring climate change, of, you know, the kind of 
increasing mystification around science that is hard and true and real, and yet, you know, everything coming down from the current administration, um, there's so many efforts to to silence that, to take away so much of the progress that was made, and there's so many examples of that. And so in addition to this, you know, short-term, tactical, very important work that Faith and others are doing to help the victims of, of Hurricanes Harvey and Irma and Maria, we also need to think sort of legislatively about what we can be doing, you know, as a group of people that are passionate about um, bringing to light the effects of climate change. And so we're really excited today to actually be in the same room um, with two of the women that are um, really prominent voices in this effort to bring climate change awareness um, to people like Pansy Nation and, and their own community. So thank you so much to Jessica Davidson and Valerie Aquino, the Director of Social Media and the uh, co-chair of the March for Science. We are so thrilled to have the two of you here to uh, school us on what we can be doing to affect positive change about climate change. Thank you so much for having us on, uh, Courtney and Libby. This is Valerie, and I was actually a co-author of a scientific reports article published last year that predicted higher magnitude hurricane landfalls, particularly for the mid-Atlantic coast. I'm not going to point the finger at Hurricane Jose here, um, you know, being climate change specifically because we can't attribute any single weather event to climate change just because climate change has to look at long-term patterns, long-term analyses. But we certainly know and are confident that human activities have worsened and made more powerful these weather events. Absolutely. Uh, this is Jessica, and we're really grateful to be here today. And one thing that I want to touch on as far as how do we amplify the efforts of others and also get involved is really think from a local level. So we start, every city has a city council meeting. Uh, you can start there by requesting time to speak in front of your city council. Research the current efforts that are going on in your city, such as sustainability efforts, any programs. So then you can suggest how to advance those programs or suggest new ones. They'll uh, create long-term change in your local community. So you don't have to always think big. You can think small on a local level, and then you can expand to state and national levels. You can go online. There are several advocacy groups and you can research on your state government site um, where your representatives stand. And then you can call, you can email them. From a social media standpoint, I've interned for uh, elected officials. We see when you tweet us. Uh, and, and then you can make a difference from you know, from your cell phone, from your computer. So there are a lot of options there for you to actually make a difference uh, on various levels. And it just really starts with knowing that you have an impact by stepping out there and starting wherever you feel comfortable. That's amazing. I, I love that you can make a difference from your cell phone and your computer. Um, I think people often wonder if things like tweets get to those offices. So I love hearing that. Valerie, do you have something else to add? Yeah, no, that's great to hear that these tweets and Facebook mentions are definitely making an impact. Um, the town hall feature that's on Facebook now is a really good tool to automatically check out some of your representatives and, and contact them via Facebook anyway. And if you have any extra 
expertise um, at all in things that might be relevant to climate change mitigation and adaptation efforts. For example, if you are an engineer and you have some insights on improving building codes and regulations, if you're an urban planner, um, you know you don't have to be working in atmospheric sciences to get an op-ed out there and tell people why you care. That's one of the things that I've really noticed in my community. Um, I live in a really small town in Maine, and everyone reads our local paper much more so than probably, you know, looking at the New York Times online or looking at the Wall Street Journal or um, more sort of national publications. And I always read the op-eds, and I think it's such a powerful tool of communicating to your neighbors about issues that are important. So I love highlighting that as well um, for people that are in the sciences, you know, like you said, regardless of, you know, whether you're focused on something that seems to be sort of, you know, particularly relevant to climate change or not, there are so many different ways to make your voice heard. Uh, and that's something that we really love to, to highlight and amplify within Pantsuit Nation. And I'm and, um, really glad to hear you all doing that as well. So if we, um, if our members want to learn more about some of the efforts that you're doing and some ways to find actions, are there ways for them to connect with your work? Sure. So you would go to marchforscience.com. Uh, also, you can reach out to us via social media. So that's Twitter is ScienceMarchDC as in Washington, D.C., and then uh, on Facebook, also March for Science. So we're really excited to connect with you on there and spark a dialogue. Awesome. Thank you so much to Jessica and Valerie for coming on the podcast and giving us these really great calls to action around what we can do on a local level to affect global change, really. So thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pansy Nation. <laughs> Okay, so incredible to hear from Valerie and Jessica from March for Science. We've been a huge fan of theirs for a long time, so it's uh, an honor to have them uh, in person, no less, to hear about some of the work that they're doing, ways that we can take action. There's so much going on this week um, as we continue to move through these challenges from natural disasters, but also the ACA uh, repeal is back, as we mentioned earlier in this episode. So let's hear from Kat for the Cat Call to see what we can all do to take action this week. Hello. Hi, Kat. Hello. Hey, Libby. Hey, Courtney. Hey, West Coast pantsuiters. What up, West Coast time? I know. We're in California. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. Exciting to have you on the same time zone as me for once. That's pretty cool. I know. My computer still thinks that I'm in the East Coast, though. So my MacBook <laughs> lives at in 1 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Kat, um, give us your calls to action for the week. Let's hear it. Sure, sure. So I know that you guys just talked with Faith about recovery efforts in Houston. And Hurricane Maria is hitting the Caribbean. There's more damage to come uh, in this historic uh, season. So we've collected, again, a resource document, which is accessible via our blog. Uh, and we'll add more resources that Faith mentioned. You can find that at pantsuitnation.org slash blog. Uh, the document has places where you can donate money and goods, as well as a list of services for affected people. Uh, please share it wi widely. Uh, we're updating the document as we get more information, so please stay tuned. Again, that's that resource document where you can find ways to help uh, folks who are being affected by the, the hurricanes. It's at pantsuitnation.org slash blog. Um, and I'm sure you guys have talked about this already, uh, probably at length, <laughs> uh, but the newest attempt to dismantle the Affordable Care Act Senators Lindsey Graham and Bill Cassidy. Yeah, big, big boo. boo. It's like, it, there's a lot of comments in the group today, like this is Groundhog Day, right? We keep telling our stories, we keep calling, but we're going to keep doing it, right? The Senators Graham and Cassidy are co-sponsoring this bill. 
It's no better than any previous Republican attempts to get Obamacare, and we need to make sure that we're calling our representatives to let them know that we are going to stop this bill. So call your senators and ask them to vote against it. Call your governors and ask them to join the 10 other governors who have already written a letter indicating they did not support the bill. Call, 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 and show up at their offices if you can. And, you know, I think it's like a really insidious attempt. Like, it's not by accident. It's not like, oh, like, let's just keep trying this again. Like, they're trying to wear us down. And they're thinking, if we can just keep doing this, you know, maybe people will get tired. And and so our response absolutely has to be to not get tired and to not just get fatigued. Like, this is, you know, classic methods of trying to weaken their opposition. And they just think if we just keep doing this, then then maybe people will give up. And so the only response that we can logically have to this is to not give up because it's so critically important. It's just as important now as it was three months ago when we were having the same conversation. So please, to all of you, make a phone call, make several, make them every day, because this is the time that you know we really need to show that that we're not losing sight of what's important with this fight. Yeah, and that's such a good way of putting it, Libby. It is insidious, it's strategic, um, and, and it is to wear us down, right? And, and we have just to remember this is a marathon, not a sprint, and we got to keep making our calls. So, so thanks for, for zeroing in on that. Um, and while folks are making their calls, too, let's also remember this congressional session that we need our reps and senators to pass a Clean Dream Act as well. So while you have them on the phone about um, stopping the Graham-Cassidy bill, Uh, also advocate for a Clean Dream Act to protect DACA recipients and immigrant youth overall. Um, So, and finally, you know, just a reminder, we have uh, calls to action weekly that we can push to you as well uh, to a program called Calls for Change. The sign up for that is at pantsuitnation.org slash calls for change. Again, pantsuitnation.org calls for change. Again, really urge folks, get on the phones. Let's flex those muscles that we've built over the past 10 months and uh, keep rolling. Let's protect the ACA Uh, protect dreamers and really show up for folks who have been affected uh, by the hurricanes this season. Thank you, Kat. Thank you both. Thanks, Kat. Always wonderful to hear from you. Give us our marching orders and uh, we will talk to you soon. All right. Over and out. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. All right. So we've got uh, a series of things that we can do this week on a variety of issues which i think we're kind of getting used to that there's never going to be only one thing that um we're calling our representatives about because um there's just attacks from all sides so i appreciate cat giving us a rundown of multiple things um that you could do when you get people on the phone absolutely and it, yeah it is just so important and that's what we're all about you know is exercising those civic muscles and and kind of rejecting the idea that we can't make a difference as individuals. Uh, Our legislators are listening, even, you know, probably most importantly in areas where your elected reps are Republicans. Sometimes it can feel a little hopeless and it's not. They're paying attention. They can feel the squeeze and we need to be there squeezing every day that we can to say this is important. We're listening. We're paying attention. And you can't get away with this. And and that's a really important message to be shouting loud and clear every single day. So thank you to all of our members and to our listeners that are continuing to use, you know, the, the civic power that you do have to make sure that your voice is being heard. And Speaking of individuals making a difference, it's time for the golden pantsuit. I am particularly psyched about this week's golden pantsuit because I just love so much of what this woman stands for. Um, This week's golden pantsuit is for Lena Waithe. 
She was the first black woman to win an Emmy in the category of comedy writing. And she already was a trailblazer by even being nominated. She was the first black woman there too. The episode of Master of None that she won the award for traces many Thanksgiving days over the course of her character's coming out story, which actually closely aligns with Lena's own story. Um, She made history this week. So let's hear some of her acceptance speech. And last but certainly not least, my LGBTQTIA family. I see each and every one of you. The things that make us different, those are our superpowers. Every day when you walk out the door, put on your imaginary cape and go out there and conquer the world because the world would not be as beautiful as it is if we weren't in it. And for everybody out there that showed us so much love for this episode, thank you for embracing a little Indian boy from South Carolina and a little queer black girl from the south side of Chicago. We, we appreciate it more than you could ever know. Thank you, Academy, for this. We love y'all. God bless y'all. It's so amazing. And that, like, rallying cry of, you know, the things that make us different are superpowers. Like, I, I just, I love that she said that. I love that that is the message that she is sending and that others are sending about sort of the strength that we all have in recognizing what makes us unique and what makes us different, in particular for, you know, women that are coming from marginalized communities to be, you know, donning that cape, as she said. It's such an empowering, impactful way to use a platform to to spark conversation, to spark inspiration for people that are watching. So Lena's awesome. And she was literally wearing a golden pantsuit. Yes. Oh my gosh. She had this beautiful pantsuit jacket on that was black and gold. I loved it. Um, We've already put it on Instagram because it was just like too iconic. Also, uh, another thing that I adore is that I was reading a Debbie Magazine interview with her just after she won. And she said that she keeps her Emmy next to a sketch of Beyonce. Just like, obviously, (laughs) like if you win an Emmy and you don't have a sketch of Beyonce to keep it next to, you have to get one to put next to your Emmy. Like that's obviously how you have to display it. Um, Yeah. And just I love so much that on a night that was about celebrating her, what she chose to do was to sort of push power out to other people that are looking up to her. Um, I think that's just like such an amazing gesture. We love Lena. We can't wait to see, you know, more of her. Um, And yeah, just golden pantsuit. We don't even need to send her one. She's already got one. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll send it anyway. We'll send it anyway. All right. All right. That's it. We got to the end of our 10th episode. Uh, Virtual high five, Lib. Um, Yeah. Well, I guess we can high five each other IRL because we are in the same same place now for once. Thank you so much to um, Faith Brooks, our guest, and to Valerie Aquino and Jessica Davidson from March for Science. And of course, to Kat and to Beth O'Connell, Podmaster extraordinaire. Um, We are just so happy to have had um, all of these wonderful people working on the podcast with us this week. Wonderful women. Let's just say a wonderful woman because that's the truth. We have incredible men behind the scenes also helping us record. Lou and Chris, we love you too. But this is a lady podcast, let it be known. Uh, And we're just (laughs) excited to have, uh, for this week especially, to be amplifying the voices of women that are really on the the forefront of trying to to create change in their communities around the country, around the world. So um, yes, thanks to all. Thank you, Courtney. If you like what you hear, please do subscribe. Speaking of supporting women, your subscriptions, uh, your reviews mean a lot to us. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and and give us a review. It helps us out. Tell your friends. Um, You can always visit us at pantsuitnation.org. We've got resources 
there that we've mentioned. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at this pod is your pod and at Pantsuit Nation. Send us your thoughts. And thanks to Cadence 13. We'll be back next week. All right. Talk to you then. We'll be back in our uh, home studios then. But <laughs> for now, we're really enjoying getting to hang out together and we'll talk next week. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Court. Bye. Bye. Bye.